Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Listening to the number one Chicago Bears podcast, unrivaled, unmatched, and unequal. Hogan Johns covering the Bears from CHGO. It's Adam Ho, and from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Together, they're the Adams. The Adams converge. The consummate pros. The incomparable Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in Hogue and Johns with you. Back to back big draft episodes for you this week. Coming through. With the Beast and Dane Brugler today, uh, just really good draft content. Pretty much the best you can get right now. And um, what's up, Johnsy? How you doing? Good. What's going on? I love this draft talk. Yes. Usually, like, there's a point during it where I'm like, oh, more, more draft talk. But I'm not there yet. Maybe no, the day it, of the draft I'll be there, but then you get selections. Well, and full admission this year, I got it, like, kind of late into the draft party this year, a lot later than I normally am. Um, just because of random stuff going on, like you know, changing jobs and moving and life and shit like that. Life, yeah, it happens. Um, so I'm like, I feel like I'm just catching up, feeling pretty good. We did some wide receiver breakdowns for CHGO this morning, like a bunch of videos. That was fun to do. So uh, I feel like I'm getting in the swing of things, and obviously our um, our two awesome. Uh, draft guests yesterday helped so if you for some reason missed that episode go back make sure you uh get that one and then today having dane on should be good yeah deontay and nick were awesome yesterday um do you still do your mini board um are you talking about like on the whiteboard (laughs) yes that small i I don't know but there's still time i might put it together this year if you're new to our show watching and whatnot adam hogue used to do this draft board that he mm-hmm. would compile what first and second round but it was like this mini dry erase board yeah like the size that you would use if you're like coaching jv basketball and had to draw like plays on yeah <laughs> or what we might have on the sideline uh, football games. yes yeah. exactly exactly what are you making fun of it because it was too small the mini board the mini board yes was it too small <laughs> the board no okay Just um you a hard time yeah, I know. I you know what I last used that for actually was um last year when we knew the Bears were going to be getting a, a new quarterback to uh I had but I had it it was half it was actually thirds cuz it was free possible free agent signings, possible trade targets, possible draft picks. So the the Bears themselves had a board like that in Ryan Pace's office. Yeah, you make fun of it, but but that is a ceiling to floor dry erase board on the wall of <laughs> Ryan Pace's office, or now Ryan Poles' office. Okay. <laughs> I'm not investing in a ceiling, ceiling to floor, to floor whiteboard. whiteboard. Uh, 
check out my Justin Fields draft story last year. They actually talk about yeah staring at that board when they went over the trade options and all that stuff. But now they got Justin Fields. Anyway, uh, who cares? Oh, Bob cares. <laughs> Bob cares. You know what was awesome? My uh, The guys I used to do radio stuff with at Wisconsin, like student radio, Okay, there were there was like a um, four guys that were a year older, right? That went on to graduate a year ahead of us before we kind of took over everything in our class. But they all lived together too, like they were really close at his apartment, and they painted an entire wall with that chalkboard paint that basically turns your wall into a chalkboard. Yeah, <laughs> and we watched the draft there that year. It, I think that was the Cedric Benson draft that year. And they would like, they had like, I think we all did a mock for like the first round. We had like side bets going on. I think we were tracking how many beers we were drinking at the same time. It was awesome. I like that. That might be my favorite draft. We once did, speaking of drafts, a fantasy baseball draft in our one of the school classrooms at St. Norbert College. They would leave these rooms open. And we went into one of the larger classrooms at night, brought some beer, and we hired one of our friends who wasn't going to do the draft. Uh, we hired them, paid them through beer, to write all the names in chalk on the board. So we all sat at a table. We like moved the desks around. We all sat at little, different little tables. Uh, there were 12 of us. And he ran the chalkboards. So, like, all six of the chalkboards were, were full with, like, Albert Pujols. Who else is that? Who was the second baseman for, from the the Rangers who was really good? Um, Hank Blaylock. There's a name back. Hank for, Blaylock. There, there's a throwback name. Um, uh, when all the, like, when Eric Chavez was a good baseball player, like, those were the names on the board. I got Pujols that year. I remember that. Oh, that's pretty good. Memory. Can play. He could play baseball a little bit. Memories. He was good. Oh, was top three pick back then. All right. A couple of good draft stories there. All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Welcome in. You can read us. I'm at allchgo.com. Johns, he's on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. All right. One thing I wanted to get to before we dive into the draft talk with Dane Brugler was an interesting interview Matt Eberflus did with Chris Collinsworth on Collinsworth's podcast. It was like 40 minutes long. It was a very long conversation. Um, There were a couple things in there that I thought were a little bit revealing, to be honest. And I don't want to spoil it all, but there some actually offensive stuff that I found really interesting. One is he said that uh, Justin Fields has, you know, obviously been in the building last week or week and a half, two weeks or so for meetings and all that stuff that's been going on with the offseason program. You already know that. But he said, like, he's he said he's already at the stage where he can help teach it to oh, some oh. of the offense. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. <laughs> what? I'm just having, like, flashbacks to, like, Nagy 202, but go on. Oh, yeah. Well, the problem was that I don't, Mitch never mastered 202. Was there actually a 202? I think the problem was they were on 401 or 402 or 404. But only Matt Nagy was. But go Right, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, I know. I'm completely getting off topic, but that's just what immediately came to mind. But yeah, this is great for Justin Fields. Yeah. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jam. So, uh, (laughs) 
Uh, classic. He's Here's the headline. He said, this is Justin Fields' team. Like he's already earned that right. It's already how he's he's acting. That's how. And with the new coaching staff, I I just I found it interesting that they said that that you know that plainly and clearly that he's it's Justin Fields' team. My favorite part about that comment is that there is call it conversation in Bears social media land that seems to believe that this coaching staff this scouting staff, this personnel department headed by Ryan Poles does not believe in Justin Fields. Well, part of that's because Florio went on the radio and said that yesterday. Like, I understand maybe the argument that they haven't invested a lot in, in him or around him, I should say. But that, like, you got to look at the, the, the bigger picture of what the Bears are trying to do. Who was it yesterday? Was it Deontay Lee or... Um, who laid it out perfectly for us? Brad Spielberger. Um, just the, the conversations we've had with, with, with these guys the past couple days is just about how they are clearing the books. They are getting rid of the, the contracts that Ryan Pace had guys signed. And this is going to be a process. They're not spending right away. That spending should come next year. But I have never been under the impression that this coaching staff, that Matt Eberflus, that Ian Cunningham, the assistant GM, that... GM Ryan Poles does not believe in Justin Fields. They they took this job partially because they believe in the kid. Give it time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not buying that at all. I think, and I think if you listen to this interview with with uh Eberflus and Collinsworth, that it pretty much debunks that. So um just something to keep in mind there. I, here's where I kind of found really interesting. Though John says we're all trying to picture what this offense, what this Luke Getzey offense will be. Um, now this was just one specific example, but Collinsworth did a good job of kind of teeing him up on trying to explain what you can do with this outside zone run scheme that they're going to run, and he he broke it down from like the defensive perspective on how how it can be tough to defend, especially when you have a quarterback like Justin who is mobile. And there's a couple things in here I think I think fans will like to hear um, because outside zone, you're kind of stretching the field, right, to the outside. Those The defense has to flow that way. The linemen have, the defensive linemen have to slant that way. They're kind of chasing to the side that you're, you're designing a run for. What are some of the things that we spent so much time bitching about last year? Okay, the lack of boots, the lack of splitting the field in half, the lack of just giving... Changing launch points, just... Yeah. Spread it out, baby. Justin, an easy completion on a play action, then flipping it to the other side. Oh, there's a wide open guy on a bubble slant, whatever. Easy read. Or he can tuck it, keep it, and tuck it if he can run for it because he has that ability with his legs. Eberflus like painted that out. Like that's how he described it. He's like, if you get everybody flowing one way and you got a quarterback like Justin who can boot back the other, give him an easy completion or get a screen game going. Screen, the S word, screen. What's that? Don't know. <laughs> but I've heard about them and I think they're pretty effective. And just hearing him break that down, that one answer, like I got excited. I was like, Thank God we're not going to be bitching about this stuff all year again because it sounds like now are they going to be good enough to actually turn that all into points? I don't know, but at least they're going to be doing things. It sounds like that will make sense. 
I generally like the idea of Matt Eberflus being able to help Justin Fields from his defensive by providing his own defensive expertise, telling Justin Fields how he how he would stop him as a defensive coordinator. I think that relationship is only going to grow. I think it could be invaluable in terms of the learning curve for Justin Fields in year two. And I think it's just different, a different voice to have, like an added voice to have other than just your offensive coordinator, which I like already. You have Luke Getze, whose sole responsibility is working with Justin Fields as opposed to Matt Nagy, who tried to head the whole team. So I like the way the relationship building, the dynamic in general, is it house off for Justin Fields? Yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that real quick before we jump into the draft conversation. I found it interesting. I think there are some fair things to wonder about and criticize with some of the acquisitions, lack of acquisitions that um, have just, been at play you just here. Have this general feeling that you want more because you want Justin Fields to have more. Yeah. But I'm willing. I you know what? It changes hourly though. Like one hour, I'm like, yeah, they haven't done enough, and then the next, I'm like. It's freaking April. Like, there's a lot of time. There's five more months before the season well, starts. Well, like, here's a good example. Like, the, the Packers signed Sammy Watkins today. What, one year, four million bucks? My immediate reaction is, well, the Bears could have done that. And then my secondary reaction is like, well, didn't he sign with the Chiefs the same year the Bears signed Allen Robinson? Like, weren't the Bears interested in him the same year? Yeah. He didn't really pan out. He's a first-round pick who never became a, a top-tier receiver. Also, like, he was one of the first people that Buffalo cut ties with when Brandon Bean got there. Like, that's a perfect example of kind of trimming some fat off the roster. And the guy, you know, years later, he signed in with the pack. Like, fine. No, don't care. Yeah. My my own patience has caught up with the, the Ryan Poles' own patient plan. If I'm just you're being on, honest. You're on board. I, I'm on. I'm patiently on board. <laughs> does, that make, does that make sense? <laughs> so take that and think about that for a little bit. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, didn't make sense, but okay. you get my point. I <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's jump into the draft talk. Dane Brugler's the best. He's here. It's Dane Brugler's season, and he's here on the Hogan Johns podcast. All right, well, you've heard us talk a lot about it. The Beast, the author of The Beast, is here. Dane Brugler from The Athletic joins us now to get us ready for the NFL draft. Dane, congrats again on uh, another year of putting that thing together. It is amazing. It is my go-to resource. Printed copies now. Yeah. Well, that, that one's a little different. That one's not quite the the the, the, the beast. full beast. No, yeah, it, it's like an abbreviated version. Uh, but mini beast. Yeah. So, but no, I, I appreciate it. It's uh, yeah, it, it, the feedback's been awesome. Uh, labor of love. It's been it's been really cool to hear everyone's feedback on it. Um, try to make it, you know, set the bar even higher every year. Uh, and hopefully we did it this year. So uh, glad to hear everyone's been uh, checking it out and enjoying it. When you look at the the Bears' positioning, no first-round picks again, and then there's eight teams in the first round with two picks. First, just your, your first impressions, like out of the first round, start with 39th, 40th overall pick. Like, Tell me about that range of the draft just in terms of value. Yeah, and obviously I think uh, 
we'll see how the quarterbacks shake out. How many quarterbacks are off the board at that point? Uh, that That's a big variable uh, that I don't know that a lot of people have a great feel for yet. Um, you know, I think these quarterbacks are going to go early, um, you know, at least two or three of them. They always do. Why should this year be any different? But then, uh, you know, how many quarterbacks? Do we see five quarterbacks off the board uh, by the time we get to pick uh, with Chicago's 39? So, you know, I, I think that's certainly possible. And if you're Chicago, you're hoping for that. You're hoping the five quarterbacks go, push more good players to you. Um, we're going to see a run on, on wide receivers. Uh, how many go in the first round? Maybe as many as eight. It's, it's possible. And when you see how much... Uh, these wide receivers getting paid in the NFL. It's it's no wonder that teams are looking to get younger and cheaper at the position, and they're going to do that through the first round. So which receivers will fall uh, outside uh, th- those first 32 picks and then into the, into the second round? Um, I think Ed Rusher is the strongest position this year. And so uh, we're, we're going to see in each round, there's going to be at least someone on the board that I think is, gives you some level of excitement. It, it's that deep. Uh, no matter how many we see five, six go in the first round, there will still be uh, edge rushers, second round, third round, fourth round that uh, give you some level of excitement about what they bring to your team. Dane, since you mentioned the quarterbacks, I mean, it doesn't necessarily apply to the Bears, but it still kind of sets the tone for how the whole draft plays out. I, I was thinking recently that the lack of uh, like a – obvious number one overall pick type quarterback in this in this class sort of reminded me of 2017 when I remember looking at Trubisky and uh, Watson and Mahomes and wasn't Kaiser in that draft too was that the same year and just like going you know I don't know that any of these guys are really deserving of going in the top 10 and then of course the Bears reach for Trubisky well when that was all said and done I mean Watson and Mahomes if you redrafted it you know, are probably one, two. So that's what I'm struggling to kind of get a grasp on these quarterbacks this year because there's been like, that's an example of a year that feels like this year, but yet two really good quarterbacks came out of that class. Yeah, I think that's a great example of, uh, yeah, a quarterback class that we felt like we had questions about, but obviously, yeah, two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL uh, came from that group. I, I, my, my, I guess maybe this is uh, a cynical way of looking at it, but the year I kind of look at is, was that 2011? Um, outside of Cam Newton, when we had Jake Locker, uh, we had uh, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, all those guys went in the top 12. And obviously of those of those three, uh, none really uh, be, you know, uh, turned out to be worthy of those picks. And so that's with this group. That's what it reminds me of. I don't, it's not as bad as the 2013 year where we had EJ Manuel. Uh, they had the Bills reached on him in the first round, and uh, Geno Smith was in the second. It's not as bad as that. These quarterbacks have talent, but in my opinion, if you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, you better have conviction that he's going to be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL at some point during his rookie contract. And if you just don't, I, I just find it hard to have confidence in any of these quarterbacks. They're going to reach that level. So, uh, but you know what? I was talking to a scout the other day and he's like, man, these, these guys are going to go. Like it, it's going to happen. It, it's uh, so, you know, where does that run start? Is it Carolina at six? Is it Atlanta eight, Seattle nine? What does Pittsburgh do? We think they're drafting a quarterback, but are they going to trade up for a guy? 
Um, is there a wild card team in there? Uh, like, I, I don't think the Saints do. I people are talking about the Saints with since they got that second first round pick. I, I really think they're going, you know, left tackle receiver or uh, using those two picks to go up and get a left tackle. I, I don't think they're going quarterback, but uh, you know, these guys are going to go, and it's going to be really interesting to see where they end up. You mentioned eight receivers potentially going in the first round. Bears Bears fans are probably tuned out by now, just, just angry. Um, just like how deep is this receiver's class? What classes previously would you compare it to? And then like where's the the cutoff point for you? Like where is the the second tier of receivers uh, coming for you in this draft? Yeah, and I think that's a good way to frame it is just the tiers. Um, for me, per and, and these receivers, you know, everyone's got a different opinion of the rankings and where they belong. And, uh, you know, it's important to point out, too, that even though they fall in the same bucket as wide receivers, they're all so vastly different and they're going to fit different teams in different ways uh, in terms of, you know, being in an X or being in a, uh, being a slot receiver or, you know, size, speed, that type of thing. Um, but for me, tier one is Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, Drake London, those three receivers right there. Um, I, I, that, that to me, that's where there's a little bit of a break. And then that second tier is, is jam packed with some guys. And that's Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, George Pickens. So that, that's five receivers there in the second tier. And, and then that, I think there's another break. And then, uh, the third tier is where you've got your Christian Watson, uh, John Mechie, Jalen Tolbert, Alec Pierce. Uh, I think this is a top-heavy wide receiver class. So, I mean, we just went through, uh, what, a dozen wide receivers. All should be off the board somewhere in the top 75 picks. Um, and I think that this wide receiver class will stretch a little bit into the third, early fourth round. Then I think there's a little bit of a drop-off. I, I think this is a top-heavy wide receiver group. Uh, you know, all these guys are going to go early. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how many go in the first. I think Garrett Wilson, both Ohio State guys are going in the first. Jamison Williams is going in the first. Drake London, um, so that's four. Traylon Burks might slip a little bit after uh, you know his combine was a little underwhelming. Still think he's going to go in the first, so those five. And then who who joins those five? You know, Jahan Dotson out of Penn State has a very good chance. Uh, George Pickens, there's plenty of love around the league that George Pickens could go that early. Christian Watson, who... I grade as more of a second or third rounder. Uh, I, he might go in the first because he's 6'4 and runs a 4'3. But, I mean, his routes are, are still very rough around the edges, way too many drops. Um, uh, you want to see a guy at that FCS level dominate if you're talking about a, a first-round pick and he just he doesn't have tape that shows a dominant receiver. So uh, Christian Watson might be overdrafted as early as the first round. Um, but it, it's just a really, really deep wide receiver group in those first three rounds. So if you're the Bears and you have pick 71, mm. can you afford the weight? You mentioned potentially top 75 there, but if, if you like a guy, is, is it better to act in the second round or, or try to trade back or, or something like that to, to get an extra pick? Would 71 be too late to, to make your move at receiver? Well, you know, I came out with my seven-round mock draft today uh, on the athletic, um, and so let's just—I'll I'll take use that as a reference point. Obviously, you know, this is far from gospel, uh, you know, but it, I think it gives just a glimpse into maybe um, how these receivers could come off the board. Um, I in my mock draft, I have wide receivers after seventy-first pick: Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati going seventy-eight, 
Uh, Wandell Robinson going 79 to the Chargers. John Mechie at 81 to the Giants. Khalil Shakur from Boise State going 82. So, I mean, there's still some talent there in the in the mid-third round that if the Bears want to wait, if, you know, in the uh, – the second round, if they want to go a different position, they want to wait till the third round to get the receiver. I think that's certainly uh, a, a plausible scenario. It's just obviously they they won't be able to be as picky in the third round with what's left for them. Well, let's talk about this mock that you put together. And I can't imagine doing a seven round mock draft with all thirty two teams. So uh, smoke Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Good job there. Uh, yeah. But you have the, the Bears taking Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State, yeah. with pick number thirty nine, and then Perrion Winf- Winfrey, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, at forty eight. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you like those two guys to the Bears in those two spots in the second round. Yeah, after I just got done killing Christian Watson, um, you know, like he's again, he's six four and runs a four three, and so I certainly understand the intrigue with him. Um, he's he's a true late bloomer. Uh, you know, he was in high school. That's how he ended up at North Dakota State, um, and he's still developing. He's still learning, and you could see that at the Senior Bowl. He played well, but he's also still learning all the details of playing that position. And but again, we're talking about a second round pick here. We're not talking about a first round pick. So I, I think that the value could be there at 39. If uh, if the Bears are looking for that go-to receiver, Christian Watson could certainly fit the bill. Um, and then at 48, going with Perrion Winfrey, one of the better uh, three techniques, uh, but also a versatile guy because he could play up and down that line of scrimmage. Um, a guy that has length, he has power in his hands. Uh, you love how heavy he plays. Not as a mover, but at, at contact, he plays heavy. So he can create... Uh, a little bit of movement at contact. He's he's a guy nobody at the Senior Bowl, none of the blockers wanted to face uh, because of all the different ways he can win. The tape doesn't get you excited, but Oklahoma ran that slanting front, didn't really uh, give you a great idea of his traits and how productive he could be. Uh, but he's a young player, still just 21 years old. He's a Juco kid, played two years uh, for the Sooners. Uh, there's a lot to like about Perrion Winfrey and, and the traits and what he could grow into. Before Hogue lays out the rest of the draft, I'm curious as you're going through this exercise, and this is a team, this is an exercise all teams go through, yeah. trying to figure out where needs are filled by certain teams and which players they're targeting and whatnot. Like the the cornerbacks in that range of the draft, I guess. How many teams did you feel were needy in that area? I look at the Seahawks directly behind them with two picks um, at, at what forty and forty one. Like just in terms of cornerbacks, who's available there? Where that second tier begins for that position, what did you see in the second round? Yeah, and I think that's uh, – I think all 32 teams need cornerback help, if we're being honest, right? I mean, everyone's looking yeah. for more depth at that, at that position. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how many go in the first. Uh, you know, obviously, Sauce Gardner, um, Derek Stingley, and Trent McDuffie are going to be first-round picks. But then – uh, you know, Andrew Booth from Clemson has been a little banged up, hasn't been able to work out for teams before the draft. Could that cause him to slip uh, to the second round? Uh, that That's certainly a, a plausible scenario. Uh, Kyler Gordon from Washington, who is still not as technically refined as his teammate, Trent McDuffie, but he is, uh, he tested outstanding at his pro day. There, there's a lot to like about him at the way he plays, the mentality, um, and just the athleticism. So, I think Kyler Gordon's right there in that mix to be an early second, mid second, um, and then uh, then you start to see guys that you know you can pull coals in, like a Roger McCreary from Auburn, perfect example. 
throw on the Alabama tape and you see him just locking down guys, uh, but he doesn't have ideal size. He doesn't have ideal speed. The shorter arms are a problem. He's just not going to be for everybody. And so that's that that's going to be a problem for him. But I think the corners, um, it's not the strongest position this year, but it, it would be in my top five in terms of uh, you know strength at every point in the draft about, you know, there, there's going to be at least three, four, five, maybe even six corners going that second round. Dane, in the third round, you have kind of a, a mini run of of offensive linemen, a lot of interior linemen, uh, Dylan Parham going off right before the Bears at 67. Then the Bears taking Darian Kennard uh, from Kentucky there at 71. Uh, and then, let's see, Jamari Salyers there, the Daniel Falele from Minnesota, the big offensive tackle with the Gophers at 76. What... I, I guess let me ask you this, this way. First of all, feel free to tell us about Kennard since you did have him going to the Bears. But also, if you look at what the Bears have on that offensive line right now, which is young guys at the tackle positions, a big gaping hole at right guard right now, just staring at you on the depth chart. Like, how would you handle which area would you go? Tackle, guard, especially at that spot in the draft if they're not addressing the offensive line until the early third round? Well, and that's kind of what drew me to DK uh, there in the third round for the Bears is because he was a, a right tackle uh, for Kentucky, but a lot of teams view him as better kick him inside as a guard. Um, you know, there, there's And so I think he gives you a little bit of that versatility where he could play either spot. And for the Bears that, you know, you mentioned their, their youth on the offensive line, their need for a guard. Uh, I mean, he could step in and, and compete for that starting job right away. But at the very least, he also gives you uh, some some depth at tackle if, if you need some help there. So I, I think there could be a possible fit there. 6'5", 320, uh, really long arms, over 35-inch arms. Uh, did a nice job at the Senior Bowl. He was really one of the only blockers that showed some life against Jermaine Johnson uh, out of Florida State, who's going to be one of the first defensive players drafted this year. So um, I think that you know there, there are some sloppy tendencies there uh, that needs to, to clean up and uh, you know mature a little bit. But the, the physical tools, the bully mentality—that's uh, what you get with uh, with DK there in the in the early third round. But this is. I'm glad you mentioned that about there being a run in the third round. That, that's to me, that's the sweet spot. I, I think you look at guards, you look at centers, um, even some of the tackles. It, there's there's a lot of those guys I think that are going to be in that late two, early third round range that project as potential starters down the road, especially at center. There's a lot of centers in this group that I think could be uh, starters, um, guys with position flexibility that give you uh, depth at other positions. So it's a, uh, it, it's it, I wouldn't call it a strength. But at that point in the draft, I, I do think that we could see a, a run with what some of the teams are looking for, but also where you where we project where the talent coming off the board. I think this is a good place to, to take a question. Um, threw this out on Twitter earlier. Some Bears readers had some Bears-related questions for you, Dane. Um, this is from Joseph on Twitter. He wanted to see if you could compare Tevin Jenkins to some of the second and third round offensive tackles in this year's draft. Um, and if it makes sense to stick with Kevin, Tevin, Kevin, Tevin, Tevin, instead of drafting another guy on the outside, like how does Tevin Jenkins compare to some of these offensive tackles in the second round and third round this year? Yeah, and I think that's that's a fair question because I think that's probably what uh, some in the, the Bears front office they're asking themselves the same thing. Uh, you know, with Tevin, obviously a you know, big guy, he was six six three twenty, uh, a guy that. 
played primarily right tackle in uh, in in college, and you're thinking, you know, what does he? What kind of position flex does he give us at the at the at the pro level? Can he can he be our left tackle? Uh, maybe do we like him at guard? He played some guard Oklahoma State, so uh, he's a guy that was really competitive on tape. He played with power, uh, but at the same time, he didn't move heavy. You know, he played with 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 light feet. So I, I remember I I likened him to Cam Robinson uh, when he was coming out of Alabama as a prospect, a guy that had tackle guard versatility. Um, He's been a a solid player for the Jaguars. And I think Tevin Jenkins, as long as he's healthy, uh, can do the same thing in this year's draft with uh, some of the tackles. uh, You know, we're going to see that the top four go early with Icky and Evan Neal, Charles Cross uh, and Trevor Penning. And then when you get to the second round, um, I, I don't love the depth of tackle in the second round. I mean, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan, he's in that late first, early two range. Tyler Smith from Tulsa. But, I mean, Tyler Smith from Tulsa is, I think, more of a second rounder, not a first, because he's so raw as a player. Um, and so he's not necessarily a guy you want to throw out there uh, early in his NFL career. Um, you know, Abraham Lucas from Washington State is a, is a tackle that uh, from Washington State that has got a lot, plenty of Plenty of uh, experience. Four-year starter. Tested pretty well at the combine. Ran a 4-9. His short shuttle was great, which we know a, you know, a lot of teams pay attention to short shuttle when it comes to offensive linemen. Um, and, and so that, I, I had a third-round grade on him. Wouldn't be surprised if Abraham Lu- uh, Lucas goes somewhere in the second. Uh, but it, we're going to see some of these tackles pushed up uh, because the I think the supply does not necessarily meet the demand when it comes to the to the draft this year. So uh, I'm not sure that, you know, Tevin Jenkins, uh, you know, if he were in this class, he would probably be my, what, my sixth offensive lineman maybe, um, you know, probably just behind some of those first-round guys. I'm not sure anybody that you can find in the second round is really going to say, oh, yeah, this is this is a better prospect than Jenkins. I want to ask, go back to the wide receivers, because if you had told me, like, in December – that Christian Watson would get drafted ahead of David Bell from Purdue, mm. a guy who, so Bell's a guy who just produces. He's, yeah. like, per start, he's averaging nine catches over 100 yards and close to a touchdown a game per start. And then you have a guy like like Watson who's coming from a run-heavy offense in North Dakota State, well-coached program, but only had 43 catches last year, and he's doing it against FCS competition. Like, How much stock... And does it get overblown what happens between January, February, and March? Because Bell obviously did not have a good combine. Watson's been blowing things up. And now it it seems like almost like a foregone conclusion that a guy like Watson's going to go ahead of David Bell, who did nothing but produce in the Big Ten. And, oh, by the way, had some matchups against some first-round cornerbacks along the way. Yeah, Greg Newsom said the toughest receiver he faced in college uh, was David Bell. Uh, first-round pick last year of the Browns. And, you know, I, I think – the the more the the slogan of of scouting is traits over production you know you draft traits you don't draft production and i think that's that that's that's the basis of why christian watson's going to be drafted uh well ahead uh, of david bell and and honestly i think that when you watch david bell on tape you you do see those question marks you do, do see a player that's not a burner that's not explosive and uh, you know i got killed by purdue fans uh in the comment section uh, of every single rankings that I did back, going back to August. I never even considered David Bell for my top 50 because I just don't see an explosive player. And I, I like him. I think he's a good player. I'd take him in the third round. 
but top 50, top 60, not really a consideration. And, and Purdue fans were, uh, you know, kind of bewildered by that. But uh, I think the combine matched what we saw on, on film, a guy that knows how to play the position. But when you're going up against NFL-level corners and everybody's just faster and the game moves so fast, every little bit helps. And so I, I do think David Bell is still going to be a productive pro. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, talking to a scout that was at his pro day, he said he had a, an outstanding workout uh, just in terms of the positional drills. Not the 40, not the vertical, not, you know, not the testing stuff, but the positional drills where he's going out, running routes, catching passes. He thought he looked outstanding. So even though the, the times, the 40s don't match up, um, I still think he ends up in the top 100, goes somewhere uh, uh, second day, third round, that type of range, even though uh, it's easy to look at the testing numbers and, and kind of you know be discouraged by what David Bell put up. Dane, quickly, let me throw a couple names at you that, have, that are on my timeline right mm-hmm. now from, from questions. This is from Timothy. Just your thoughts on Illinois safety, uh, Kirby Joseph. And then David wants to know about potentially the Bears draft in Troy Anderson. In the second round, the the linebacker. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with Kirby, uh, and really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, you know, grew up in Orlando. Uh, it, you hear about dual sport athletes in high school. This guy was a big time volleyball player uh, growing up, and so you see some of that, uh, some of the ups uh, with him. And I think that comes from volleyball. Uh, but he was a late bloomer on the football field. Uh, he did not start till his senior year. Uh, but they played him as this natural, you know, this free safety role where he was single high and uh, they played him 25 yards off the line of scrimmage because they trusted him. Um, he runs the alley really well. He finds the football, five intercep- uh, interceptions this year. Uh, and I think he turned himself into a uh, afterthought as a prospect into a uh, borderline top 100 guy uh, that a lot of teams are going to look at. So, um, you know, he even played a little bit of receiver in college just to get him on, on the field. Uh, but he he really shined as a senior. I, I think if you're looking for a, that single high safety, third round, early fourth, Kirby Joseph, I think that, that fits the bill. Uh, and, and then with Troy Anderson, I mean, has to be one of the most fascinating backstories uh, in this draft in terms of growing up in a small town in Montana, uh, you know, class valedictorian, won a state title in three different sports, uh, the 100 meters in track, uh, basketball, football, goes to Montana State, plays quarterback, plays running back. To this day, he ranks top 10 in Montana State history in career rushing yards. Uh, moves the linebacker and uh, becomes the defensive player of the year in the big sky in that conference at the FCS level. So, I mean, this guy's just an all-around athlete. He showed it at the combine, running in the low 4-4s. Four uh, is he the most instinctive defensive player? No. And that's where there's a projection involved in terms of reading his keys, understanding uh, what the blockers are doing, beating them to the spot, making plays. Uh, speed will help compensate for a lot of that, but his mind needs to catch up to uh, his athleticism, and that's where uh, there's a little bit of a projection involved as he goes to the next level. But I, I still I find it hard to believe he's going to fall out of the second round. Awesome, Dane. Well, we appreciate your time. We know you're busy. It's NFL draft season. It's Dane Brugler season, quite frankly, at DP Brugler on Twitter. Follow him there throughout the draft. Make sure you're checking out the Beast if you haven't already. It's on the Athletic. And Find the so Mini Beast. And the Mini Beast. And the seventh seven round mock draft is up today on the Athletic. So I'm sure our listeners will be checking all of it out. Dane, thanks so much, man. Anytime, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, Dane. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, Watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, and works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Yeah, so make sure you are picking up the beast. And uh, so I he... He did explain, I think, before we got started, John Z, that uh, the published version, because he had to go out early for publishing. That's why it's not the full thing. Ah, condensed right. version. So the version you can get on the Athletic, the PDF that you download, is uh, is the real deal. I'm sure they're both awesome. But yeah, uh, I, I I'm really coming coming around to the idea that the Bears should wait to draft the receiver. Like how long? Third round. Yeah, I think there's guys there in the third round, like Alec Pierce, like David, David Bell. Bell. Maybe they have to trade up to 65. See, and I understand where he's coming from with the traits over production thing. But for me, man, when I see a guy like that just produce, produce from day one, like literally walked on Purdue's campus, played right away, every single game he's giving you close to 10 catches, over 100 yards and a touchdown, like 
and in a tough conference against good defenses. And he's he's like facing said, first round cornerbacks. Greg Newsom, like I got to watch that game. It was that's a great tape to watch. It was one of my favorite Greg Newsom tapes. But my takeaway from both of those players in that game were like watching live. I'm going. I'm watching two NFL starters right here. Is what's going on. And Greg Newsom got drafted last year in the first round by the Browns. David Bell's coming. Um, so, like, I get it. And the guy ran a four six five at the combine, which is not great for a wide receiver. Um, but one of our commenters on the CHGO pod today, John Z, brought up how Allen Robinson ran a four six. Cooper Cup ran a four six. Some guy Terry McLaurin was another guy like at Ohio State that you just watch the tape. You're like, this guy just gets open. Makes plays over and over again. So I understand the traits thing, but I also think like the more and more I watched Christian Watson at North Dakota State, I'm like, watch, I'm like, this doesn't match all this draft hype right now. It, it you know, it's good, but it's not it's okay, he blew up the combine, but the tape's not totally jiving with it. And I like him too. I just I feel like that's a riskier pick. And oh, by the way, he's almost twenty three years old, I think. Will be a twenty-three-year-old rookie. I don't know. I'm with you though. I think yes. I also think the more and more I think about it, I will be very surprised if both of those second-round picks get used on offense. Oh, I think the Bears want to draft the three technique. (laughs) I think they're. I think a corner or a three technique are both. And we didn't go into to depth about this with, with Dane, but he said edge rusher, pass rusher, is very deep this year. And that's a premier position. And the Bears need yes. help there. They traded yes. away Khalil Mack. Robert Quinn's 32, or will be 32. Can't expect him to flirt with 19 sacks again. Well, that's just not happening. I don't know if you, there is an over-under on Robert Quinn's sacks like out there that you can actually bet on, but like, would you set it at seven? Seven and a half. Yeah, I was going to say eight and a half. Yeah, somewhere around there. Like, it, it, It's a win to me if he gets double digits. And sacks. truthfully, I think it's a win if he gets eight. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. It's just not likely he's going to repeat what like he if, did if last year. If you have followed the ebbs and flows of his career... Hashtag ebbs and flows. I th- this would be the the ebb down, I think. Is the ebb down or the flow down? I don't know. But this is where... That's the- your phrase. You tell me. <laughs> well, they're happening. This is usually where it happens. It's like Mike Zimmer's coaching career. A lot of ebbs and flows to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't... You're the ebbs and flows, guys. You're supposed to be the one who can explain that. We need that t-shirt. Obviousshirts.com. Got the JD hoodie on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we 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 have talked about that one. It just seems like a very niche T-shirt. You know what ended up in my uh, ebbs and flus? Ebbs and flus. There we go. I have to give uh, one of our followers, readers, listeners credit for that one, though. But you know what? Someone I don't know how it ended up in my feed. Someone like someone liked my Harold Jones Corte tweet. From 2016, when he originally said, come out hard and stay hard. And I didn't even realize I tweeted that when he had said it. And one of the responses from somebody in 2016 was, 
that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> and it is. And it only took five years, but we did make it a t-shirt. It is a t-shirt. On obviousshirts.com. So that's pretty... I don't. I love when stuff from Twitter like that pops up and then years later it comes true. So there you go. All right. Well, we need to get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read me at allchgo.com. Johns, he's on The Athletic along with Dane Brugler. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to get Kevin Fishbane, Dan Pompey, the whole crew. Pretty much everybody works for The Athletic. So there it is, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Also, hit, uh, find us on YouTube if you haven't already. Subscribe. Hit the notifications. Probably have some... Um, some big shows coming up, maybe even some live shows for all we know with the draft and stuff coming on. So uh, we are working through that. John, you're off next week, huh? I am. I am. I'm going to miss mini camp. I'm sticking with a family vacation. I'm here to annoy you a little bit with that family vacation, but we are out of here. Not. Yeah. No, I don't here. care. You care. You'll miss no, me. No, I don't. You'll miss me. Yeah, maybe a little bit. You will. I guess Kevin, you know, Kevin will be working. Kevin will be showing up to Alice Hall. Have fun. I will. I'm excited. There's players I want to see. Like who? <laughs> <laughs> Name them. That was awesome. Byron Pringle. I'm kidding. I'd like to see what he could do. Bigger yeah. role. Well, then you should come to Alice Hall next week. Ah, I'll follow your tweets. <laughs> He could listen the to the Hogan Johns podcast for I will with all the, the uh, all the recap. I'll watch Actually, it on YouTube and please CHGO. don't if you're if you're on vacation with your family in Arizona, please don't listen to this podcast. Okay, just just <laughs> just troll us with some with some photo like I did when I was in Aruba. It's a great idea. Yes, but if you do it, make sure it sells some product at the same time. Yes. See, you it's can make idea. fun of me for that photo, but I was told it sold like 15 hats immediately, which wasn't even the objective. The only objective of that was to troll you, which also worked, but it was a bonus that we actually sold some Obvious Shirts hats at the same time. Someone repeated or reenacted your picture and sent, it, sent this to us from wherever you was. Did you see that? I did not see that. When was that? Oh, look on the timeline. Someone sent um, us a picture from uh, wherever he was in the, the Caribbean. I wish I'd seen that. I got to find it. Someone's got to find that and send it to me. I don't see everything on Twitter, but that's one I wish I hadn't missed. So send it to me. All right, we're out of here. Uh, Kevin and I will have you covered next week with minicamp and everything, and we'll inch closer and closer to the draft. We'll keep that coverage going as well. Talk to you next week. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares?